This is the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. My guest today is Levi Vincent from the Greater Palm Springs Film Office again, and we've had you on before. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to have so you much, on. Ken. Uh, how, how's your chicken? Oh, my chicken, Tilly, my chicken, uh, she's doing fine right now. She's molting, so she's not producing eggs. I have to go and buy them at Costco. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and Shane Stanley is with us. He's the author of What They Don't Teach You in Film School. Is that right, Shane? Close. It's an honor to be here, gentlemen. Uh, Ken and Levi, thanks for having me. Uh, the book is actually called What You Don't Learn in Film School. Oh, what You but- Don't Learn. Uh, it does include what you're not taught in film school at the same time, so I guess either either title will get people where it needs to go. <laughs> well, very good. Well, Levi, let's start with you, and why don't you explain what you do? So I facilitate film production throughout the entire Coachella Valley. I build relationships with filmmakers like with Shane Stanley. Shane is producing an independent film, a feature film here. So we're in pre-production right now. But in addition to feature films, we do commercials, we do music videos, we do photo shoots from all over the world. They look here at our greater Palm Springs region and they, um, you know, imagine being from um, or going to a different region, not knowing your way around. Uh, I'm that point of contact here. They can build a relationship with me and I will guide them through the desert and show them what I know uh, matched with what they're looking for so they can have a successful production. So you're almost like a film production concierge. I'm a co-producer. That's what I am. You know, I co-produce with them. That's what I do. I I don't really call it that, but that's exactly what I do. But yeah, you're right. Um, Anything they need from uh, talent, I can have 200 extras on set in 24 hours to um, a vendor, caterers, um, you name it, um, crew. Um, and we do our best with that and a whole bunch of other assets, um, filing permits, uh, whatever you need. Why is the Coachella Valley such a great place for film production? You don't, you don't just do film. You do photography for catalogs and uh, you manage that kind of thing too. We have, uh, of course, all of the beautiful mid-century homes, but we have the open space as well. I think maybe Shane would like to weigh in on that because for his particular look, he's looking for, I mean, we are a huge backlot movie studio. The entire Coachella Valley region is a backlot movie studio. So what appeals to him, maybe he can tell. What appeals to you, Shane? You know, what appealed to me first and foremost was the community and the people. Um, I've been doing what I do for a long time, and part of what makes it difficult is, is doing it in big cities like L.A. proper because you have a very jaded, uh, film-weary community, and you have a lot of people that are, that are really uh, predatory toward filmmakers, especially the, in, the independent ones, in, in costs and in logistics. So I've been wanting to find a home away from home to do production in for some time, and I was fortunate enough to, to meet Levi about three and a half, four years ago, and it really wanted to come up with a reason to go out there and make a film, and I reached out to Levi, and he rolled out the red carpet. He made me feel welcome. We didn't have a script. We had an idea. I sent Levi the treatment, and I said, here you go. We'll come out in two weeks. Let's set it up, and Levi took me and my co-producer around for about seven, eight hours and showed us the incredible landscape. And I just took pictures and sent them to our writer, C.J. Wally, in, in London. And uh, about two weeks later, we had our first draft of the screenplay that was written based off of what we saw and what Levi showed us. And we didn't cut any corners or compromise in production value because that's a big thing for us. We got everything we wanted and more. And will you bring in cast from out of the area? We will be bringing uh, name cast from out of the area. 
Um, we have actors, you know, such as Dior Beard, Matthew Lawrence, Daniel C. Ryan, Ivan Sergei, and, and a host of other great actors that we've worked with over the years that we call our acting family. Um, we, we will be hiring quite a few uh, people in front of the camera out in the Coachella Valley. We've had the opportunity and pleasure of getting a lot of submissions that Levi had put together for us, and, and it, became a, it really became tough because there were so many wonderful choices. And we're going to be hiring quite a few people from that area, as well as uh, as much crew as we can. So we're, we're hoping to be able to come out there and not only use a lot of the small businesses that are out there in the Coachella Valley, but also, you know, bring job opportunity for people in front of and behind the camera. And for the talent he's bringing in from outside of the area, Levi, you're able to provide their uh, hotels and other accommodations? Yeah. Um, boy, I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, sometimes matching the talent with the hotel can be a little challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, but Shane really um, built a relationship with one of the contacts that I set him up with here in the desert. And uh, that worked out really well, didn't it, Shane? You, you had some great hotels um, set up for the talent and the crew, as a matter of fact. I uh, had had corporate deals with several hotels that happened to be in the area of Palm Springs and assumed I would be going the same way that we have in the past. And Levi said, hey, before you sign anything or before you make a commitment, would you talk to somebody specific? And what they were able to do far exceeded my expectations and far exceeded any corporate deals that we get. And again, it just goes back to a community that has open arms and is willing to work with you. It was a no-brainer for us. I spent, you know, uh, probably about five minutes on the phone with Karen. It was very evident very quickly. Can we mention the hotel name? Uh, sure, you can. I, I, I would like to give people privacy, but uh, sure. <laughs> We're staying at the Staybridge Suites in Cathedral City. Uh, Shane, is it common to out a location before you even write the script? No. Um, I, I don't know anybody else. You know, I don't want to say nobody does it, but I don't know of anybody else who does it. I, I went there with a very open mind and a very open heart. And in, uh, uh, you know, an admiration and a respect for Levi's uh, abilities and knowledge of the area. And what we do is we create a story that we want to tell, and we just we go make it. That's how we do things. And because we had committed to coming out there to make the film and get out of LA, it was uh, it was tough. I, I didn't want anything getting written in that wasn't possible because I just I hadn't been there before. And I just, I wanted to really go out there and not just spend a few days in the desert. I wanted to build a world and environment uh, supporting the story we wanted to tell. And, you know, it was pretty mind-blowing for me that we were able to send a two or three-page treatment to Levi, and he, he captured the vision immediately. He, like, literally, we met at 9 a.m., and by 4 o'clock that day, we had seen dozens of locations that, I think, most of which ended up in the script. What's the most challenging or unusual location you've ever been asked for? Oh, boy. Well, obviously the most challenging are street closures. Oh, you know, yeah. Sure. Highways. Highway yeah. 111, uh, Highway 74, um, you know, uh, anything that requires a full shutdown and Harley Davidson's motorcycles driving up and down, mm -hmm. wanting to get drone shots, that kind of stuff is real complicated. And But you can pull that off. 
Well, it has been done. Yeah. You know, um, CHP and California uh, uh, Caltrans and the uh, California Film Commission, uh, they have a system in, in place for productions like that. Um, and they go out of their way sometimes to really, really help you. But obvi- obviously safety is foremost the biggest concern with anybody and everybody. So, um, but it can be done, yeah. You, we tend to talk about film production on these podcasts because it's very glamorous. But let's talk about a, like a catalog shoot. Okay. Tell us about an interesting location you've done for a catalog shoot, um, well, which is a still photo shoot, to be clear. Yeah. Well, I think um, I've done a couple of productions. Um, like Shane, I worked on a production for Land's End. Uh, it was a catalog. Uh, I was uh, the local producer for that one. And we filmed in Palm Springs. We filmed in Indio. We filmed uh, Joshua Tree. Or photo, should I say, photograph, because it was a photograph. Sure. Um, you know, and everything was the same thing. It was a production of about 20, 25 people we had on the team, catering and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, every there's really no difference between a photo production and a film production. There really isn't. The only difference is the camera and the audio. I mean, some places you have to, you know, when you're on set, you have to, you can't talk, you have to your phones are off. You can't make a, a sound. I can't have Tilly on set. She makes, you know, noises. <laughs> when you're on a photo shoot, you can, you know, be a little loud. And there's always music in the background because it gets everybody in the mood and everybody's grooving. It's a lot more fun. I actually like photo shoots. I feel at ease on set uh, versus uh, a film. Are there opportunities for local talent to be uh, models for these photo shoots sometimes? Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah, absolutely. I just uh, did a, a commercial. I think it was a New Balance. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Adidas, a New Balance, one of those commercials. Um, and they hired some local talent to wear the shoes and run a little bit in the park. Uh, they both, uh, they worked four hours each day. They banked $1,200 each day just running around in these new tennis shoes. And I think they got to keep the shoes. I mean, you know, we, you never know what to expect. Um, but yes, most certainly. Now, you are not a talent agency because I know that requires a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo with the state, but you do have a a portal on site. Yeah, so we have to be careful with a talent agency. Um, It's not that uh, I cannot be a talent agency. I don't want to. Cindy Romano is a talent agency out here who I highly respect. She's Mm -hmm. fantastic, and she has some great talent there. Don't get me wrong. We focus mainly on the background and the extras. We've got a lot of them on on our website and anybody can join our website at any time. There's absolutely no cost. Mm-hmm. Um, we just ask for responsible people who are willing to take a good headshot, uh, selfie, if you may, or have someone take a headshot of you. You do not need to go out and spend money on a professional photographer. Just make sure it's a, a professional looking type headshot and join the website. And when someone like Shane uh, reaches out to me and says, Hey, we need some talent. Uh, one of the first thing I say, have you looked at our website? And he'll scroll through the pages if he has the time to find it. And if he doesn't have the time, then we will send out a, um, a casting email blast mm-hmm. um, to our database, which is rather large. And within Two hours of sending out a casting call, I will have in Shane's inbox probably over a hundred submissions. Um, so it's an easy way for the community to take part in these castings, and they're paid positions. Shane, I have to ask you, what is the gist of your book? Uh, what you don't learn in film school, right? First and foremost, I, I have no qualms with film schools. I love. What- 
what they represent. I love that there's a place for people who have not been fortunate to come up in the industry to learn, just as somebody would being an architect, a doctor, or a lawyer. What I'm vehemently opposed to is how a lot of the institutions prey on kids' hopes and dreams of being the next Tarantino or Damien Chazelle. And in doing that, it's the things they leave out that are absolutely pertinent to becoming a steady earner in our industry. It's, you know, not just about being a writer, director, or producer, which is what they most of the time hone in on and try to, to really excite that nerve in a growing student. The book covers everything from concept to delivery, how to raise independent capital. Uh, no, I don't push the crowdfunding and, and all that stuff. Uh, it's about making relationships with people that can fund your film. And it covers everything from casting, getting talent that you have no business getting because of your budget or reputation or lack thereof, and getting the best possible crew, locations, insurance, distributors, sales agents. It covers everything. And it's basically just, you know, my 30 plus years as a producer, my trial and error. I'm not saying my way is the right way, but I sure know the wrong way to do things. And I try to really show people this is what you don't want to do. Here's, here's where I failed. Uh, here's where I succeeded. So, you know, trying to save a lot of these kids uh, a lot of heartache and wasted time, uh, spinning their wheels trying to figure out the game because this, this business is like any other business. It's about relationships. It's about hard work. It's about having product uh, or, a, or a presentation that people can get excited about and buy into. It's funny, in Canada, when you graduate film school, in order to qualify to work on a union show, you have to take a series of courses that basically covers everything from proper walkie-talkie etiquette, how to read a call sheet, and uh, not sitting in the director's chair, which seems to be all the things that our film students don't understand. Most of the kids come out of school and their first question is, what's my rate? What's my IMDb credit going to be? And, you know, I come from the days where we were calling people and saying, look, we got to get on set. We need exposure and experience and relationships. I'll pay you to come work. I'll pack my own lunch. Frankly, I'd rather see, you know, hopeful directors and writers out there being grips and electricians and making, you know, four or 500 bucks a day and being around filmmakers that can get their scripts read than sitting in a car driving for Uber, frankly. Jane, what's the kind of bare-bones, entry-level cost of doing an independent film today? The resources that filmmakers have, whether you're, you know, an indie rat like me or you're a studio, is, is endless, and the costs have come down significantly. I mean, you literally could shoot a film on a phone, I, I think... Taking a step above that is smart, you know, with the DSLR cameras that are available. Most computers can get inexpensive edit software, sound equipment. You can get some decent sound equipment for cheap. And, you know, you can get some of the basic ribbon lighting packages for, you know, a few hundred bucks, especially if you buy it used. And I've produced films for $500, and I've produced films for $30 million. And the fundamentals are the same. It's just the body count. And the more dollars you have, the more aspirin you need to pop. Um, <laughs> you know, I've found that some of the more successful films are the ones with the lower budgets. They're a lot more fun. You get to go out and make movies with people you love and care about versus talking about making movies for several months or even years uh, in development with the bureaucratic system or the executive policies that a lot of the studios and networks have. Uh, Jane, when, so you're, really no when you're pitching a film uh, to potential investors or an investor, can you just get away with a treatment, or do you need to produce a, a short version of the film, you know, a 10-minute version of a, a feature film? That's a great question. I think every situation is different. I think if you have a track record and you have maybe a series of short films or music videos or commercials that you've done that are impressive, 
you can take that and make that part of your presentation and say, here's a treatment. I, what I found is investors aren't going to read scripts. If, if they do, they tell you they do and they don't. They, they don't know how to read scripts. They're not interested. They're, they're successful because they're busy and they have other, you know, their fingers in other pies. I, I have found less is more. You know, the biggest mistake many people make when trying to secure funds is they put a pitch deck together that has faces and names in it that they're never going to obtain just to look impressive. And the big downside to that is you go in and you're going to let your investor down right off the top. I mean, there may be a name or two you, you could get that's close, but let's be honest. You know, the average person looking for $5 million saying Ben Affleck's going to be in it or, you know, Ryan Reynolds or Reese Witherspoon. You know, if I had a nickel for every time I saw a pitch deck for an independent film with those faces in it, I'd, I'd be writing my own checks. I think less is more. I think it's about passion. I think it's a lot of people that write checks for films. They, they want to help people get their careers started. They want to be able to tell their friends at cocktail parties, oh, I'm investing in a movie. I'm in the film business now. A lot of times when you go meet with investors, they've got stacks of paper wall to wall. I, I remember going into my first meeting for an investor, and, and I brought in a printed script, printed lookbook, printed budget. You know, I had stacks of paper, and guy was so wonderful. He sees, and I talk about this in the book, he just said, Shane, take a look around. I got papers everywhere. If you give me that, it's just going to end up in a pile, and I'm never going to get to it. Just tell me, tell me what it is you want to do. And we sat and talked, and the coolest thing about the meeting was he asked me a question I didn't know the answer to. And I didn't tap dance my way or BS my way around it. I just said to him, you know what? I don't know, but I'll get the answer for you. And what that did is it showed him, I'm not going to lie to him just to tell him what he wants to hear, but more so it gave me a justifiable reason to follow up with him in a day or two, which is always tough once you get a meeting with an investor or potential investors, getting him back on the phone or getting a second meeting. So I was able to get the information he wanted, called him back two days later, and uh, this is before we had Google at our fingertips, and I called and he said, yeah, why are you calling? I said, well, you had asked a question during our meeting. I didn't have the answer to it. I wanted to get that for you. I was able to close him on that phone call just based on the fact that I got the information he needed, didn't didn't BS him through the meeting. And it showed, it also allowed me a, a justifiable reason to follow up. So, you know, no two meetings are alike. No two investors are alike. And I also think proof of concepts, POCs are really important. If you're a new filmmaker and you can get a good cameraman or woman and a good editor and some decent talent in front of the camera, go shoot a scene or two and show an investor what this could be. You know, shoot a key scene or two to show them the impact that your story could tell. And Shane, just briefly on the back end, the film is made. Do you need a big distributor to get it in the theaters? You know, being in theaters does not guarantee success. And a lot of times the cost to put films in theaters is so so astronomical, it, it could be counterproductive. You know, there are so many outlets now for independent filmmakers globally. And, and what I try to remind people that I talk about in a lot of workshops and, and webinars, and especially in the book, is, you know, people forget there are 54 territories, 172 countries that buy. It's, it's not about the, the red carpets on Sunset Boulevard and, and showing off to your friends on Instagram. This is a business, and if you want to keep working, you have to bring money and revenue back to your investors. And people think it's all about one or two territories, and they forget you know, setting a, a project up properly and making it marketable globally with talent that the world recognizes. It's not about having A-list talent in your independent film. It's about having faces the world recognizes because they're on two or three TV shows that are syndicated in 140 countries airing four times a day. That's, that's where the independent filmmaker often forgets that there's a tremendous opportunity out there for that, uh, 
in a way to exploit your film successfully. And Shane, where can they buy your book? Well, you could you could get the uh, book at uh, whatyoudontlearninfilmschool.com is the easiest way. It's available on every platform from from paperback to Kindle to audio. Uh, you can also go to shanestanley.net and uh, it'll it'll also get you some some ways to get it there as well. And uh, that's that's the best place to get it. And uh, also, if you do go to my website, you can contact us. And uh, we'll make sure uh, to put you on our list for upcoming webinars and, and other workshops that we do online. They are most of the time they are free unless there's a, a platform like Stage 32 or something that, that I'm hosting on. But we let people know when those are happening. And we try to do the free webinars as often as possible and, you know, help inspiring filmmakers and writers uh, kind of answer their questions, hear their pitches and help tool their skills and hone their craft a little bit so they can go out to the real world and, and make some, you know, do some damage. Well, terrific. Any final thoughts, Levi? Um, no, I don't think I told, uh, I don't think I told Shane, but I, I did read your book. I, he kept asking to read my book. I said, no, I haven't read your book, but I did read the book. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that. Well, I and said I, it to Tilly, not you. I know he wants he wants me he wants me to teach Tilly how to read and he wants me to teach Tilly how to read. I thought you were telling me Tilly read you his book. No, she was pecking at it <laughs> because there's a just a tremendous amount of wealth in that book and um, it's it's just full full of knowledge. So well, thank you um, both for thanks. coming on today. You're welcome. Thanks thank for, you. Thanks for having us. It's, it's a pleasure. I hope we get to do it again. This has been the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the Public Record the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast with your friends and be sure to click the subscribe button.